Welcome to our daily drive time devotions through the book of Romans, Romans chapter 7 this week. Yesterday we began to look together at what it means to be free from the law, and I'd like to go into that a little bit more deeply today. There's a major problem in our lives as believers when it comes to our Christian growth when we haven't learned how to handle the law. And that's true for many of us. We still somewhere in our spirit want regulations and instructions to follow so that we can be freed from all of our problems. But when you take a good hard look at the book of Romans, it says that's not the way to be freed from our problems, freed from our sin. What we need first is to be freed from the law. And our relationships to the law in one word as believers is the word freedom. The Bible says in Galatians chapter 5, verse 1, it is for freedom that Christ set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. The yoke of slavery that Paul is talking about in Galatians 5 is the law. So we are free from the law. But what particularly, what exactly does that mean? Freedom doesn't mean freedom to do whatever you want. Freedom from the law doesn't mean freedom to break the law. We've all already seen in our lives and in what Paul says in the book of Romans that that just leads to a different kind of slavery. So what does it mean? I'd like to take a moment today to do something a little different. Take a look throughout the New Testament at what the Bible has to say about our relationship to the law. Now, you remember the law is the ceremonial law and the sacrificial law, the civil law, the moral law that God gives throughout the Old Testament. And there are five pictures in the New Testament of our relationship to the law. Let's just run through them real quickly. And in each of those, take a look together at what it means to experience God's freedom. In the first picture, the Bible pictures the law as a guardian. In Galatians chapter 4, verses 1 to 5, a guardian like a guardian to a child as it's growing up. And the law was a guardian for an immature people of God in the Old Testament. The truth of the matter is, small children need rules. I don't think many of us would leave a bunch of kindergartners in a room alone and say, you know, just do whatever feels best to you. I I trust you to do everything according to your own good judgment. And the point here is, is that the law is for spiritually immature people to lead us to a point of maturity, but we need to be led to that point of maturity. The law is a guardian, but you outgrow a guardian. And in order to experience the freedom from the law in this particular instance, we need to realize we have the freedom now to grow in grace, not in the law. If I'm going to continue to grow, there comes a point where I have to begin to take responsibility for my life. And if I'm going to grow spiritually, I grow in grace. People who put themselves back under the law as Christians are revealing their spiritual immaturity. The more mature a relationship, the less the need for rules. We talked a little bit about that yesterday. It's just true. The more mature a relationship is, the less the need for rules. When Shondell and I, my wife and I, were first married, we had a lot of rules in our relationship. Here's what you do here, and here's what you do here, and here's how you fold this, and here's how you uh, handle the cleaning of this, and here's who does this this day and this day. Well, the longer we've been married, the less rules we have because the deeper a relationship we have. We just more automatically know what the other person wants. We've worked out a lot of those things, and so the need for rules is not there. Same is true of the Old Testament and New Testament. Old Testament, you got a lot of rules. New Testament, Jesus says, here's the rule I want you to focus on. Love God with all your heart, mind, and soul, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. Do that, and you covered it. So we have the freedom to grow in grace and realize that the law may have been a guardian to the people of God in the Old Testament, but now it's through grace that we grow. There's a second picture of the law in the New Testament. Colossians chapter 2, verse 14, pictures of the law as a debt. 
It's an obligation to be paid. We are in debt to the law because we've all broken the law. And because of that, sometimes it can feel like a weight on us. And if you feel that you have to bear that weight, you haven't experienced the freedom from the law that God wants. The good news is the weight has been lifted. Freedom from the law comes when we realize the debt has been paid. Jesus paid that debt on the cross. He paid that debt because of his love for us. And that's how I experience freedom from this debt. There's a third picture of the law in the New Testament. In Galatians chapter 2, verses 16 and 17, and then also over in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 1, the law is pictured as uh, what I would call a shadow, a shadow of things to come. In the law, you see what God's going to do in Jesus Christ. You see what God promises for our life in many of the moral laws, particularly in the Old Testament, but also some of the sacrificial laws. You see a, a shadow of what God's going to do in Jesus Christ, through Jesus Christ. So what do you do when you no longer have the shadow, but you have the light? Well, you walk in the light. Freedom from the law comes when you walk in the light. Jesus Christ is the light of the world. He's come into the world. We don't need the shadow anymore. When we walk in the light, the shadow fades away. When you have the reality, who needs a shadow? And the reality of the Christian life is found in a person, not in a list of rules. It's in a relationship, not in regulations. And an overemphasis on rules is like moving back into the shadows. A fourth picture of the law in the New Testament is in the chapter we looked at just this last week. Romans chapter 6, verses 15 to 23, the law there is pictured as a slave master. Uh, Galatians chapter 3, 23 talks about this. Before this faith came, we were held prisoners by the law, locked up until faith should be revealed. So where does freedom come from? Well, we talked about it all last week. Freedom comes when you realize that you're slaves to the one you obey, and so you offer your heart to God. This theme of offering our heart to God is continued all the way through Romans chapter 6, but we're going to see it several other times in the book of Romans. It says, I offer myself to him. It says, I offer my heart to him that I experience the freedom that I need to experience from the law. And then there is a fifth picture of our relationship to the law in the New Testament found in the verses that we looked at yesterday. Law is like a marriage or a, a binding contract. In chapter 6 of Romans, Paul contrasted two slaveries. And in chapter 7, he contrasts two relationships, two marriages. And he says, as we looked at yesterday, that as long as a, a woman is married, she has a binding obligation. But once her husband has died, that obligation is no longer there. Well, the freedom comes when I realize not that the law is dead, but that I died to the law. And what Paul says in Romans chapter 7, it's not the law that died. It is we who die so that we can be set free from the law. That's why this spiritual reality of the fact that there's a part of us that died with Christ on that cross is so important. Galatians 2.19 is a very important verse about that. It says, for through the law, I died to the law so that I might live for God. I love that verse because it reminds us that the law led us even to the point that I died to the law. Through the law, a guardian, I died to the law so that I might live for God. Now, being dead to the law doesn't mean you lead lawless lives. It means that the motivation and the dynamic of our lives does not come from the law. It comes from God's grace. So what does this mean for me now in my relationship to the law? Does the law have any purpose in our lives after we become believers? Well, Jesus said in Matthew chapter 5 that he came not to abolish the law, but to fulfill it. 
He fulfills it by showing the meaning behind it. He fulfills it by giving us the power to live out that meaning. Grace produces growth. But much of what's in the law can show us the direction in which grace is going to grow us. Think of it this way. Grace is the jet that powers us, but the law gives us some insight into God's flight plan for our lives. For instance, when you read in the Ten Commandments, do not accuse anyone falsely. You can see the integrity that God wants us to have in our personal relationships as believers. What is the law? It's the ceremonial law, the civil law, the moral law, the Old Testament. Ceremonial, the law about sacrifices and offerings and days. Civil law, government, national regulations, rules concerning property and and animals and rights. And the moral law, the Ten Commandments, the ethical laws of the Old Testament. All of that is, is fulfilled in Christ. Jesus Christ, through his love for us, has fulfilled all the requirements of the law. And so you and I can trust him for new life and new faith. I've always liked the picture that Victor Hugo gives us of what it means to live either by grace or by the law as our master in his famous work, Les Miserables. I don't know if you've seen the play or the movie. You might have even read the 1,200-page book. The main character, Jean Valjean, builds much of his life on one act of grace that was shown him. A stranger who didn't hold him accountable when he uh, stole some silver from his house. Valjean finds freedom in the end, the freedom of grace. But he has a pursuer throughout the story, a policeman by the name of Javert, who builds his life on the law. His entire life is ordered on exacting justice. And in the end, he is put into a circumstance where he knows that he either must choose to break the law by letting Valjean go free, or let him go free and let the law break him in his own heart. He is unable to escape this life of rules, and he carries out his own punishment, even though he lets Valjean go free by taking his own life. I've always thought of that as a picture of the terrible mastery of the law. The terrible slavery of the law is simply this. It cannot allow for grace. And to grow in Christ, we have to accept by faith the truth that we have been released from the prison of keeping rules in order to satisfy God. Rules can't produce growth, but grace received always brings multiplied growth. Are you still in that prison? The prison of having to do the right thing to earn God's love? The prison of feeling that now that you're saved, now that you know Christ, the rest of your Christian life is entirely up to your strength and power? The moment you became a believer, God unlocked the prison door and swung it wide open. So right now, maybe like you never have before, right now, walk into the light of God's grace. Our Father, we thank you for the law. We thank you for what it shows us, and we thank you that it is fulfilled in Jesus Christ. And Lord, thank you for your grace. We express to you right now, we say to you right now, that we desire to live out our lives in the freedom of your grace, empowered by your grace and love. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Tomorrow we'll continue our look together through Romans chapter 7, looking at verses 7 to verse 15.